familia. This is your girl Odalis Jasmine, and you're listening to Hello Latino. Let's talk about first-generation Latinas. We got a whole different type of energy, sazon, experience, and expectations. Today, I'm talking to Swani Garcia, a Cuban-American writer and editor-in-chief at Me Too, a leading digital media company uplifting and celebrating the U.S. Latino community, aka everyone's favorite IG page. Swani leads the creative and editorial department by ensuring that the brand voice is properly aligned. Swani recently published The New Latina, 100 Millennials Shaping Our World. Her goal is to inspire, educate, and motivate generations of Latinas to dream big beyond limitations. Let's get into it. How are you? Welcome to the show. I'm happy to have you here again and happy to have this one-on-one time with you. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here again. And you're glam Always looks excited this time. <laughs> Thank you. I am coming on with my full authentic self with no makeup. So I'm like excited for this it. time with you. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I want to start with, well, first of all, I have so many questions for you because Swani, you are so fire and fierce as me too would say. And just so... Uh, so many questions for for your story, what you're doing, what you're doing for the community. But I'll start with how do you identify and why? I identify as Latina and as an immigrant, a first-gen immigrant. Mm-hmm. Can you say more about that? Yeah. So I um, I was born in Cuba. I came to the U.S. when I was four, raised in Miami, and um, and then I went to school elsewhere in Massachusetts. So part of, you know, that experience really formed my identity and formed me being, me identifying as Latina, seeing the strength in that and as an immigrant as well. Mm. Can you talk to us about that immigration story and what you remember from coming to the United States from Cuba? I don't remember anything (laughs) (laughs) up until I was like five years old in the U.S., Um, but I know that so my mom immigrated with my stepdad and me to um, to Miami. We stayed with my stepdad's um, brothers for a while. Um, they were kind of helping us out, and then um, and then eventually my my parents were able to set up their own business after several years of them being here and working hard. And um, and so I kind of saw them. You know, I'll, I'll, when I was growing up, I saw them work so hard to like set up their businesses and keep it going. And they still have their businesses that they did when I was younger. And so that's pretty amazing to see. Um, and yeah, and then I was living in Miami. I was ra- uh, raised there. I went to school there. And then when I was thinking about where to go to school, to college, um, I said I wanted to, uh, to have a different experience than I did in Miami and I really wanted to like get out there and see other parts of the world in the US and so mm-hmm. I applied to different schools and I ended up going to Hampshire College which is in um, Amherst Massachusetts and that was a very different experience for me because it was like a liberal arts school in like the middle of a farm and I had been I came from a big city and so that experience um it took me a while to get used to that but once I did I realized it was like the best thing that I've ever done you know I was it was the perfect college experience for me please talk to us about that experience of like going from Miami 
which in my head is just sunny and fun and a hell Latino. And then going to Massachusetts, like, and, and give me context because I don't know Massachusetts. So maybe there is a lot more sun than I think. You know what I mean? But what was that? Was it a culture shock for you? Like, how was that experience from moving from that place to, to not New Hampshire? Was it New Hampshire? Uh, Hampshire. So Hampshire, Hampshire College, College is the, um, the name of the school. And then it's located in Amherst, Massachusetts. Got it. Yeah. But um but yeah, Massachusetts is very cold. Um it's New England, <laughs> so the winters are brutal and they last forever. And um it was a shock. Um it was a big 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 change. Um I went from one complete opposite to the other and I had a hard time adjusting to it, especially the first year because I really hadn't found my community yet. Um I I really wasn't sure, you know, what I wanted to do and in the classes that I was taking. And on top of all of that, just the weather, like I think the weather affected me a lot because it was gloomy for, you know, days at an end. Um, It was just it was just something that I wasn't used to and that I didn't really have the tools to deal with. And so um, so I considered actually transferring to a different school in California. (laughs) Oh, Um, yeah. And so my second year in school there. I. I decided to study abroad in Cuba because my school had this like really cool study abroad program and one of the only ones that could send you to Cuba in the U.S. And so I obviously was born in Cuba, but I had never like lived there for a while. So I really wanted to go and live there and see what it was like and just kind of like go back to the motherland. And yeah, and so I did. And I think that really changed my mind in terms of like me wanting to stay at that school and and just accepting um, that that was like the best option for me. I was also like comparing my experience to like my friends who went to like state colleges and had a different college experience and that's never good. Um, and once I accepted that, like that was, you know, the best option for me and that school allowed me to be like very like entrepreneurial and in, in, in thinking about what you want to do and just kind of going for whatever you want. And it allowed me to you know, eventually my fourth year, I created a project that was, um, I was looking into Latinas in the media and how they were perceived and how they were shown. And I was able to create a magazine for and by Latinas um, on poetry, uh, you know, culture, art. And I translated that to Spanish. And that was like my thesis project. And that's not something that I think would have been um, possible in many other schools. And so you know, that style of education, I learned to really um, respect it and love it. And after I found my my footing and kind of found my also my confidence, because I was always very um, like hesitant to, to speak up in class because I sounded so different than anybody else. Like my accent was so strong. Mm. And um, and then I think later on, I found that I've said this before, but I found that what I had to say was just as valuable and it didn't matter how I sounded. And that's like something mm-hmm. that I still take me with me now. Um, so yeah, so it was just like a process of growing and getting used to things. Um, but ultimately I'm super happy that I did go there. Oh my God. I love, I love what you just said. Like I have something to say and it's just valuable despite my accent. Ooh, girl, I just, that's the name of the episode. If I can try to like make it shorter. <laughs> 
But I think, but I think it's so beautiful because so much of my life was my parents, my mom specifically, not knowing the language, and she still doesn't know it. And she's like, I, it doesn't stick with me. Like I don't get it. Like Spanish just makes more sense. And she would always be really scared to speak up in like grocery stores and you know, and like just different places where there wasn't a Spanish speaker. And I just remember thinking, I'm like, mommy, if Sofia Vergara is loved for her accent, I'm like, you are too. Like, and now she's, she's going to grocery stores and barely knowing how to say words. But I think it's just knowing that you do have a voice too. And I think it's hard when we live in a society that doesn't have us out there, that doesn't accurately represent our people. So we feel different and othered in spaces where I mean, we were raised here. We belong here, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think when I also when I was in school, social media was just becoming a thing. It wasn't as mm. big as it is now. So it's not like we had all of these images, all of these different sounds of Latinos. It was like, yeah. like you said, like Sofia Vergara or Salma Hayek, you know, all right. of those like really mainstream, like five women. The five. <laughs> That's the it. Five, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the big five. Um, so it wasn't, you know, I think now it's a little bit different because I feel like social media has helped us in that way where it's like you have so much visibility into different cultures and to how, the way that different people speak. Um, and yeah. that's something that's really good for us. How I'm curious because you're going to school while social media is, is it social media popping while you were in college or was it after? It was just starting. So people were just starting oh. to like create their blogs and, and, Instagram was like old school Instagram with the yeah. filter, with like the bad I, I miss OG Instagram, okay? <laughs> yeah. The Woman Crush Monday or not Woman Crush Wednesday, Man Crush Monday. I miss all of those old Instagram yeah. things. <laughs> it was so OG. Like I, like I think I remember um, there's like this Dutch influencer that I still follow. Her name is Nagin Mirsalehi. And I also follow the Brazilian uh, Camila mm-hmm. Coelho. And they were just getting started. Like I remember them just like kind of growing a following that was that was how like new social media was yeah so funny and so much of what you do now is social media so I'm curious like as social media is becoming a thing as you start kind of owning your voice how did you start to leverage social media to really amplify your voice you know I think I so I first uh, I launched a YouTube channel years ago I always really liked uh, long form video content versus uh, photos. So Instagram was like never really my thing. I really enjoyed making videos on YouTube and consuming content on YouTube. So I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. Maybe, you know, um, maybe I'll like it. It's always helpful to have an audience, um, you know, for whatever for whatever it is you want to do. And I could share about my career, um, my projects, whatever. And then um, during the pandemic, I joined TikTok and I was basically at home just like making recipes, like low carb recipes, and I'd shared it and it kind of grew like somewhat of a following. And um, and that also really helps me. It helps me now because I'm very involved with like the Internet world. And we do kind of when when we select content, we we focus on the data, but we also focus on trends and what's happening um, in the world and any TikTok trends or any stories discovered on TikTok. So we source a lot of um, content from social media. So it's really helpful that I'm also participating in these platforms. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of going to skip because I'm like, I have questions about your childhood, but I want to skip to like where you are now a little bit because 
it's what's so amazing to me is that you're talking about finding your voice like and now there's so much more representation versus the big five right the j-lo sofia regatta like there's more representation now i'm curious how has that helped you own your latinidad like because i feel like i had a conversation the other day this is more context had a conversation the other day with um a guy who's older an older latino guy and he told me it wasn't mainstream or cool to be Latino back in the day. And I'm like, oh, is it cool now? Like, I've always thought it was kind of cool, but maybe that's just my generation. Like, curious from your perspective as you're raising your hand in class and you're like, you know, knowing that you are valuable despite your accent, how has social media changed your perspective on Latinidad and the culture? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I don't know so much that it changed it because I... You know, when I was in school, I worked with um, with an advisor I found to him in my third year. And that was also part of why I stayed and how mm-hmm. I found my footing. And he taught um, Latinx studies. And I took a lot of classes with him. And I was able to see Latinidad in a different way and see, like, the power in it and be okay with that. Um, and kind of, kind of hone that and step into that. That really helped me. Yeah. And um and then after that I when I created the the magazine in college where I uh we had a five college consortium so that means that the five colleges around my school we were able to use their resources and um just like take the classes in different schools and participate in sports or whatever. And so um I sourced Latinas that were in all of the five colleges and I was like I'm working on this project like do you want to do it? So it was it was funny because the entire time I was I left Miami to kind of um, look for something new and 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 get away from like my background and culture. And then once I was somewhere else, I that's like all I was trying to find, like somebody that that understood, like somebody people with like similar backgrounds and cultures, and also just trying to find how how to better represent Latinas in the media and um, and. Social media was just like popping off at that time. And so mm-hmm. that kind of, it just all kind of worked out. But I'd say it, even in school, I was already thinking like, oh, this is cool. This is something that I want to look into. And I I would love to kind of um, participate in the way that like image and identity is shaped around Latinidad. And that's ultimately what I did with the project. And then after with um, the book uh, that I wrote, The New Latina. I want to talk about that, the new Latina, because, again, we're talking about the big five versus now there's so much more representation. Talk, like, what was the inspiration behind the the book and and what has it turned into? Like, what did you not expect it to turn into? Oh, that's Sorry. <laughs> well, the inspiration behind it was exactly that. Like, I wish that I was a middle schooler or in high school and I had that book. Because like, like, you know, like we've talked about this whole episode, there was a big five and that's it. And so I was like, there must be other women. When I wrote the book, I'm like, there, there, I know there are a lot of women doing amazing things. Um, a lot of millennial Latinas. And I, I've always read like coffee table books on entrepreneurial creative women, but not like for our demographic. And so I was like, oh, this, I think that this might be something that, um, could be beneficial for like, you know, women growing up or even millennial Latinas who haven't seen all of these women compiled in one book. And, um, and so that was like the inspiration behind creating the book. And, um, what has it turned into that you just didn't expect it to? What has it turned into? 
Yeah. You know, sometimes I feel like we, like for me, I, I started this podcast thinking it was going to be something small, something a ways to represent the culture. And it's turned into kind of a safe space for our stories and a way to archive our stories. And so I feel like there's always something surprising that comes with a new project, something creative where it turns into something that you just weren't expecting, but way better than you would have expected or would have realized it could turn into. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, um, so when, before I wrote the book, I took Gabby Bernstein's uh, bestseller masterclass and I had just been laid off and um, I was like, okay, I needed, you know, I've always wanted to write a book. I'm going to take this course and see what happens. And so in the first module, she tells you to visualize yourself. Like she has a big like visualization exercise. And, um, and I felt like when I did that, like I felt really powerful, like in the sense that I knew that this was like something that I was supposed to be doing. Um, after I took that course, about two weeks later, I met my publisher, um, like out at a restaurant and it just kind of all worked out. Um, and so, and then I was able to write it. And because I was, I had worked in PR in the past, I had a lot of tools to be able to like reach out to people, um, to people's managers, people's uh, publicists. And um, so I think for me, it turned into just like validation that that we have a lot of power to do things and that we don't need permission from people to be able to do things. Um, and that, you know, I, I think it's just that it's like basically like go for go for what it is you want and create what it is you want, because ultimately, like we all have that power and we can all pull from different resources. Um, and so it was like validation that that is true and that I love, you know, writing books. I, I want to keep writing. Um, it's something that I feel really good doing. And then it just there's hard work that comes with it, but it's also it comes very natural to me to be able to do it and see out those projects. Yes. OK, writer over here. <laughs> And I was, I love what you just said. And I was going to ask you, what are some of the things that you learned about what is the new Latina? What, what are some of the characteristics that we have? And just what did you learn from, from writing this book about not just yourself, but about the culture, about our, I mean, Latinas are badass, let's be real. But like, <laughs> from like writing these stories and capturing these little snippets from a hundred different Latinas, right? Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. What 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 did you learn? What were like the top three takeaways? So I'd say the number one takeaway a lot. I So I asked everyone this question. Um, what is your standout character quality? And so many of the women said, like alluded to stubbornness and just, you know, going for it. And <laughs> not asking for, for, yeah, they'd gotta ask for permission. Like that's how they're like, literally like, this is how I got to where I am um, just by just by going for it and by mm -hmm. just having like this blind, a lot of, a lot of them said I had like this blind belief in myself and that really carried me through like no plan B, just kind of go, go for it um, and see what mm -hmm. happens. And um, actually one of them said that their favorite quote was leap and the net will appear. Um, Ooh, and I feel like that's, <laughs> yeah, I feel like that was like the main theme throughout the book of like what women said about how they got to where they are. And also they were, they were also amazing because they're just all about like, they were all about the book. They loved the idea and they loved, you know, just being Latina. Like there was so much power when I was uh, creating, when I was interviewing them and creating their profiles. They were also excited 
um, when they got the books, it was amazing to see everyone like, you know, their pictures with their with their different books and the reels and that's the social media um, kind of like aspect of it, like it coming to life was really beautiful. Um, and I love that there are just so many different like faces, like everybody looked different. There's so many different backgrounds, which is something that I made sure that we had like accurate and equal representation across so many different cultures, backgrounds and um, and industries as well. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Take a leap and the net will appear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's so many good, there's so many good quotes. Cause I also asked them, um, what's your favorite quote? And a lot of them I included in their profiles. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, we need to see this book because it's, it's incredible that you're highlighting women in a different way. And I feel like the media growing up, I mean, you see shows, movies, where we're portrayed as the maids or the cooks or like service or if we're not we're perceived as really sexualized overly sexualized and the big boobs right like the sexy bodies and for me it was always looking at these people in media and thinking well they're so cool Salma Hayek is so cool and Jennifer Lopez is so cool but also where was there a space for an educated Latina that you know was making moves and being an entrepreneur and I think there's a stat somewhere that Latinas make up so much of entrepreneurs, like in, in the U.S. And I'm like, ¿Dónde estamos? You know, like, where are we? Yeah. And I think it's also, if I'm being really honest about my story, my mom was an entrepreneur out of necessity. And so many women in the community were entrepreneurs from necessity. I mean, whether you consider Mary Kay and Avon and all that entrepreneurship or not, like, I'm like, my mom was multiple streams of revenue before it became a thing. <laughs> Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And it, that's like the immigrant mentality. Like immigrants can l- do anything. Um, they just like eat, eat my family. You know, so many of our families like worked so much and had different revenue streams um, before it was like uh, the entrepreneurial thing yeah. to do, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, that's like the immigrant mentality is just like making it work and doing whatever, whatever it is that you can. I know. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up, too, because um, another thing that I wanted to highlight was women who were who had unconventional careers and and were able to like make it like you know kind of be successful in that like unconventionality um because we always heard from our parents you know be a doctor be this which are completely valid and amazing careers um at the same time there's also so many other things that you could do that will bring you success and happiness and so I wanted to highlight those stories as well I think that is so important because we don't know what we don't know. And I think it's, girl, so many times in still to this day, I'm like, oh, wait, that's a job. Like, what do you do? And it's it's so much of what I experienced in college. And I tell all my little siblings, like still growing up or all my little, uh, not siblings, my nephews and nieces, like go to college because you learn so much more outside the classroom you meet so many people that are studying different things that you didn't realize was a job studying or going to school for or going into their careers for things that you're like oh that's really cool and i Mm -hmm. always joke about coming to the bay area and not knowing what silicon valley was i was like oh what's silicon valley like i just moved here for school and everyone's like google's here facebook's there and i'm like oh okay you can work in tech i didn't know that like i thought it was just an app on your phone And so I think it's important to highlight some of these stories that I think our community is still not really aware of and we don't realize that it's out there and there's still so much I'm learning. And I think it's just part of the first generation story where 
We're learning as we go. Yeah, for sure. Learning as we go and also learning our value and how to ask for more. I think that's Mm -hmm. a big thing too, because I think, you know, as an immigrant, you, I think our parents, I mean, I don't want to like generalize, but generally like they kind of want you to be safe and have security. And so they just like, oh, that's, that's great. Like the job is great. You know, make sure that you can like get it and like, don't, you know, ruffle too many feathers. Like, and so that really like prevents us from asking for more or moving around more. Um, But I think also part of the first gen experience is understanding like the abundance and knowing that there are so many opportunities, Mm. um, which is not something that, that they necessarily had, you know, in their countries or even like if they moved here younger and had to work. Um, So I think that's another part of it too. A hundred percent. Moving from that scarcity to abundance mindset is so hard and I still struggle with it. I mean, I I tell a lot of stories about healing my relationship with money for a long time because I always had like, I don't know how to describe it, just like trauma with money. (laughs) It's just like, I don't know how to talk about it. I don't know how to like, how to enjoy my money, really. Like that's what it came down to. And being able to spend money on something expensive and I feel guilty that I'm like letting my family down or I didn't give that to my parents. You know, there's so much of the first gen experience that we're still kind of transitioning from that scarcity to abundance mindset. And it comes with unlearning a lot of things. Like for me, girl, when I opened up my credit card, I was so nervous. I was like, I heard my fee. I was in debt because the credit card and I was just like nervous. (laughs) I'm like, I don't want to do that. And learning and having to research, like, how do you do this? How do you do that? What does this credit card mean versus that one? What are interest rates? I'm like, girl. I know. (laughs) Yeah. I, I don't know if you've seen that meme where it's like children of immigrants like deserve a degree for everything because like we did everything for our parents when we were younger. Everything. And like translated everything. We're, we're like expected to know like legal terminology, like all sorts of things. Girl, um, girl. Yeah. It's so funny because my mom's like, what does this credit card do? And I'm like, no idea. Or like, what's this? And I'm like, no idea. And I feel like sometimes I wonder if you felt like this. Did you feel like you sometimes had to be the expert in a lot of different things? Like, even if you didn't know, you were like, oh, I think it's blah, blah, blah. And then you research it on the side and then you're like, okay, this is what it is. Like, I didn't always feel comfortable saying, oh, I don't know what that is. Like, I always felt like I had to know. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I, yeah, no, I always felt I had to figure it out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Felt, even if I didn't know, um, I had just had to because like they were relying on me and I was the only one who spoke Spanish, uh, English. Right. And so I had to just kind of like you know figure figure it out out. yeah Yeah. and I that haunts me in the workplace too now because I feel like I don't always ask for help and that's something I'm still learning to do I'm the kind of person that's like I'm gonna exhaust every single option I'm gonna google everything before I even ask a single person for help and I realize you can cut so much time if you just ask you know yeah yeah for sure that's also kind of a a, like a generational thing I've seen yeah. That um, like millennials kind of tend to not ask as much as like the other generations, I think. Oh, but is that a that's thing? Just me. I don't know. To, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's just something that I've kind of noticed. Yeah. Sometimes I notice like that with my nephews. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, my nephews cannot do anything by themselves. <laughs> yeah. That's how much I was like, mommy, mommy. <laughs> I'm like, yo, you can do that by yourself. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, yeah. So not going to get into that. <laughs> I know. Let's not get into that. Um, I love you guys, but yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. Okay. So I want to go back into your story. 
Growing up in Miami, there was a part in your story where you said you were kind of leaving Miami and leaving the culture, and then you ended up finding yourself craving the culture again when you were in, in Massachusetts. What was it about Miami that you were kind of not running away from, but you were kind of trying to leave behind? Mm. I think it was everything that was familiar. I wanted to be somewhere different, somewhere that was unfamiliar. And I had a really strong group of friends who I still have right now. And they all were also, you know, wanting to go to different schools, um, you know, whether that's like upstate Florida or out of state. And we all ended up going to different schools, except for one of my friends who came with me to Hampshire. So I did have like that part of, of Miami with me, which was awesome. Mm. Um, and and so, yeah, it was kind of like, I mean, I think me as a person, I'm always looking for that kind of uh, unfamiliarity and, and new things because um, I, you know, some people just kind of like to to not do that and stay home and that's totally valid and fine yeah. and just kind of like builds, you know, at home. Uh, but I think it's a it's definitely a personality thing. Um, and I think yeah. I'm that that I have that personality where I want to explore and do other things. Swanee, I have a question for you because you're talking and I'm like, this sounds like me when I came to school because I was born and raised in Southeast San Diego, heavy Latino culture. And I was like, I'm tired of this. I want to go somewhere else that's different where no one knows me. Like it was really that type of mentality. I didn't go very far. I just came up to the Bay Area. But it's I kind of had a reflection moment about that part of my story and thinking there's so much like I guess for some people there's a lot of fear of moving away like I have a lot of friends who never left San Diego and I think for me it's like my parents are almost my inspiration because they left Honduras not knowing the language not knowing anyone there and they built a whole life and I feel like there's almost this generational power that we have of being not being afraid to step into something different about taking that leap right and the net will appear it's like we have I think our ancestors really gave that to us our parents gave that to us again I don't want to generalize but I think for me having immigrant families and immigrant parents brothers sisters they're almost my inspiration of I can go to the Bay Area and I can make a life for myself even though I don't know anyone even though I don't like have a safety net but I think there's also this like power that comes with being able to step into the unknown. Is that how you felt? Like, do you feel that inside low key of like, I can go there and I can make a life or I can go into the unfamiliar and, and make it familiar. Is that how you feel? Yeah. Yeah. I've always felt that. Yeah. That's such a great feeling to have too. like that. You know, I think when you're younger, you have more, more of a blind confidence. Um, Mm-hmm. you you like launch into things with more confidence and think and think that it's going to work out and that it does work out because you do think that way and then when you're older you become a little bit more cautious which is something that I've seen in my life now um and so I, you know those experiences I would say take advantage of them when you're young because you will have more of like that like thirst for life and being able to do all of those things and it'll work out for you even if you know even if uh, Something that I always think about is like, um, like guilt surrounding leaving the nest and leaving, mm-hmm. you know, I'm an only child. Um, and so for my mom, it was really hard for me to go away to school. I'm traveling now and it's hard for her. And so there's like, you know, so much of like that first gen experience is also guilt. Um, and 
and moving forward with your life with that guilt, like traveling, but having guilt that you're, you know, your parents are back home or, you know, making more money than that, than they like they ever did or ever could. And having, you know, that guilt, even if you, you know, do, um, you could support them or anything, but there is just, you know, there's just always like that looming sense, at least for me, there's always that. I could be there, but I, you know, I know mm -hmm. it's not good for me. So I'm doing this instead. Like I have to do what's good for me. And I don't know if you feel that too. Oh my God. Plus a thousand, a hundred retweet, all of it. Like it's that guilt mixed with pressure is so real. And my therapist will call me out every single time when she's like, is that guilt speaking? And I'm like, see, you know, and it's, it's a really, I don't know. Have you ever gone through it? Like, do you think we'll ever get over it? Or do you think it's just kind of part of the first gen story? I don't know. Um, I think, I don't know. I think that for me, it's all, it's, it's going to be present. I feel that it is because yeah. my dad also lives in Cuba and, um, and my mom is, is back in Miami and I'm not anywhere where I want to like settle down. I have a family. And when I do, I want her to be close to me, obviously. But um, I think that because of I have like this, I've developed like this like good more like a thirst for adventure and like going out and doing different things. And um, there's always I always I often feel guilty, but I just yeah. learn to live with it. And sometimes it gets stronger than others. But you just have to like keep moving forward. You have to think of it like. If you don't do what's best for you and you do something for your parents, you don't want to like resent them for taking, right. you know, for, you know, for whatever actions that you take. You don't want to have any resentment or regret that you didn't do something because uh, of your parents, you know. And I think that's the most important thing is like if you can make yourself the happiest person, your parents are going to be happy ultimately, even if you're far away from them. Um, they're going to just be happy for you and like be happy that you got all these opportunities and that they did it. And that's like the reason that they came to this country and the reason that they work so hard. And so having also that that thought in the back of your mind, it's kind of sitting along with the guilt <laughs> is really helpful. <laughs> it feels like there's a story that my dad used to tell me about um, the wolves that live inside us and it depends on which one you feed. And, you know, our, our parents talk in like analogies and all that. And it's it's almost like what you're talking about, like there is guilt and pressure, but there's also almost like you want to make your parents proud and you almost want to take advantage of all the opportunities they couldn't have because of their status, because of poverty, because of whatever the case may be. And so there's both that are that's in there and it depends which one you feed into. But even more so, being a first gen Latina specifically, I think is so damn hard because for me. I don't know how you feel being an only child. We could talk about that a little deeper because I'm the youngest of seven. So I don't know what it's like to be wow. an only child. <laughs> For me, it's I'm the only one, me and my my brother. We were the only ones that were able to go to college because we were born here. And, you know, th there's other opportunities that came our way. Whereas my older siblings, I mean, big gap between us. They came when they were older they couldn't, they, there was no DACA back in the day, believe it or not. <laughs> that was so much more recent than people think. And I think it robbed them a lot of opportunities. And I think being a Latina, there's like one pressure to take care of your parents. Cause I'm like, my other brother, my brothers don't, they care, but they're just like, I don't have to take care of them. But I feel like it falls on the youngest 
Latina, the youngest sister. Like, I feel like that responsibility falls heavy on me. And I want that too. I want to take care of them. I want to make sure they're good and they're happy and like, I'm happy and, you know, todos estamos felices. But I think there's also pressure of taking care of the past, which is your parents and your family, making sure they're good and also building generational wealth. And for the women who want to have kids like me, thinking about, okay, well, I want to travel, take care of my parents, do this, do that. When am I going to even have time for kids? Like, yeah. is that in the works for me? When do I have to settle down? Like, there's there's ambition, but also that craving for me of being a mom, like my mom was. And it's just yeah, so hard to navigate yeah, all of the things. I feel that. <laughs> it is. It's really hard. And also navigating just like once you get to like being a mom or wanting to like reproduce and then you want to be like well off like I want to be in a and you know I want to be able to take time off I want to be like well off when I have kids so that's another thing to think about girl yeah I think it's, oh we have God. like the most yeah we have like living in between two cultures and like these like experiences like bridge like I guess these experience where you know, you're an immigrant or you're raised within this culture, but now you're like integrated in this other culture. Like it's a lot to to take on and handle and navigate yeah. like, first gen. Shout out to everybody that's doing that because it's it's shout yeah, it's a lot. out. Shout mm -hmm. out. Yeah, girl, I think about that all the time. I'm like, I don't want to have a nanny. I want to like, you know, raise my own kids. But like, is that financially available to me? <laughs> you know, uh, so many thoughts. And I I don't know if it ever ends, but I think I want to give extra credit to the first-gen Latinas that are navigating so much more than I think. There's Men have their own thing that, that's going on, and I, I love on them and respect them as well. But just a shout-out to the women who are kind of navigating these spaces, these cultures that expect very different things from a woman, and also knowing how to separate what is external expectations and what's your own, and just the badass Latinas that we are. Just shout-out. Yeah. Shout out, like for sure. <laughs> and Swanee, I want to go back to you and your story. And just, I'm so in awe of like everything you represent. And and I'll I'll highlight the, the top three things that I've learned just from this conversation. It's one that free that freedom that you have and liberation of going into the unknown, which I think I'd like to think I'm that way. But there's a lot of apprehension. <laughs> With every decision that I have, like, oh, I want to be, like, a free spirit, but I'm also, like, I get in my own head about, you know, other external factors, like the money, the scarcity, all of that. And I think you've just inspired me right now to just go into the unknown and be grateful that your parents kind of set you up for that and that you have yeah. the opportunity to do that. So I just want to yeah. highlight and bold and italicize that because it's so... It's so inspiring. And I hope every Latino, Latina listening can like really step into that power and know that they have that gift to step into the unknown too. Yeah, for sure. I think, yeah, you definitely have that, that spirit within you too. I mean, <laughs> all of us do. Um, and I think it's also recognizing that in order to be that free and have that freedom, there's also like the discipline that comes with getting your shit together. Like, you know, if you want to go to college out of state, you're going to have to figure it out, figure out. Um, if you need loans, what kind of loans you're going to apply for, what kind of grants, like there's a lot of hard work that comes with being able to be free and travel and right. and doing all like that good stuff. Um, so, and like, shout out to Biden for trying to help us out. Yeah. <laughs> with yeah, all those student sure. loans. Yeah. But I, 
Did you do, okay, first of all, because you're talking about college loans, did you do all that research before you went to college? Like, were you like the type of student that was like, okay, I need to make sure I don't take out hella loans and I'm good? Or did you just kind of yeah, step into college? Okay. No, yeah, I, I for sure did. I um, I didn't take out that many, luckily. Um, I could have, but I didn't. And my mom also helped a lot with, with my education because mm. um, she had just like kind of, always wanted me to go to school and so she planned for it and she so she helped me and I also got you know a lot of grants because um I went to a private school and they they were able to give me that and I applied to a lot of different things so Mm -hmm. um we just figured it out and by we I mean like my friends in high school were all like applying to different um schools and kind of like sharing the experiences of like how we could get funded and and how we can like afford actually doing having this experience that's a, I want everyone listening to do that research because your girl over here did not do a lot of that research and took out so many loans. Luckily, I was in state, so I didn't have those out of state fees, but I wish someone could have walked me through what are these loans? Like, what does it mean? Like, when do I have to pay it? This one accrues interest. This one doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, there's just so much more finances that does not match with me. And I think it just, is something that more of our community needs is that financial literacy, especially when going to college. Yeah, for yeah, it doesn't match with me either. I I have to <laughs> um, get myself to to just be in that space where I can um, take in that that information. And it's just like I I don't want to do this, but you know, it's a, it, you, yeah. At some point, you can also like outsource that information. Like um, <laughs> like I work with an accountant to do my taxes because. I, for a while, I was doing um, like freelance um, and I was doing a lot of different mm-hmm. projects. And I was like, I know that I'm not good at this. Like, I can't ha- I don't know how to do it. And so right. I was just like, OK, this person is going to help me and I'm just going to, you know, pay them whatever budget I had. set. it's like definitely worth it if you. Yeah. If you need like a money coach or if you need, you know, anything, it's worth uh, yeah. the investment that you put into it. All right. So takeaway number two from Swanee is that get yourself some financial coaches or a person share money like and also that. Right. We need to talk more about money. And I love that you had a group of friends that was like, OK, I'm doing this and you're doing that. And like, this is what this is. And like, this is how much school's going to cost for me. I think it's just really important to have some of those conversations because school can be really difficult. I mean, my nephew just got his papers and he got accepted into school but he was like I can't take out loans I'm scared like he was like I can't do it and a part of me was trying to tell him like just do it go for it but I'm like that's a real thing that our family deals with so I'm like if that doesn't feel like a safe option for you then you have other options and he ended up going to community college and that's a whole different thing in the in the family because they're like oh he didn't go to university but I'm like he's focused he's gonna get there he gets two years free of community college but I think it's knowing that there's different options for everyone. And like, as much as I want to tell everyone to do what I did and take out all these loans and just go to school and figure it out, there is there is like a, a sense of stress with me when it comes to like paying off those student loans. And I think it's just, you're an inspiration of like, talk about money, talk about some of these things because it's going to set you up for success in the future. Like, yeah, it is. Like and, little and Jasmine should have known. <laughs> Well, now you do. And I'm glad that you're so open about sharing that. Like, that's amazing. I feel like people need to hear that because a lot of our culture right now is like, do go for this, do this. Like, don't think about it. Like you only live once. And like, that's valid. But it's also, you know, you have to think about 
um, those things and consider like fu- the future. I have a friend who also um, took out a lot of loans for to like go to pharmacy school and um, and, you know, he's he's well off now, but he is always thinking about his student loans. And that's something that I know that he also, you know, it's a, it's it's something that's part of his life now and something that he has yeah. to like pay back and and figure out and deal with. And although he has a really good career, he still has all of those loans. Um, so, yeah, mm-hmm. so that's a good point you made about like just figuring out like different options for you um, and figuring out if you can actually get to where you want to go without necessarily having to do um, yeah. having to like get into so much debt. Um, yeah. I was going to after after I graduated with my bachelor's, I was going to go into a um, master's program in NYU, which is my dream school. I always wanted to go there. And um, and I, I got accepted, but it was so expensive. I was like, this is not worth it. Like this, the debt that I'm going to go in mm-hmm. to, it's not worth it because this, the program was just very theoretical. And I had already come from like a theoretical background. Um, and so I said, mm-hmm. I'm, instead of this, I'm just going to start working and see how that goes. And then if I wanted to do a master's program later, I would. I love you know, being in school and being in academic settings. Um, so I was like, okay, if I feel like I need it later, um, you know, I'll do it. But sometimes it's just not necessary. It depends on your career yeah. um, and where yeah. you are. Sometimes it's just not not worth it. And work experience yes. is a thing too. <laughs> it's a thing. And some careers value the experience more than the education. And that's something that I had to learn. I mean, my parents still tell me, go get your master's. My brother got his master's and he works in government. So that's needed. And I'm like, I don't really need that for my career, nor do I really want to go back to school and spend all that money. I'm the same as you, though. I love learning and I love being in the classroom and I miss it all the time. But there's different ways to learn and different ways to, you know, just, again, be a forever learner and keep acquiring new skills, new talents, new information without having to go into debt to do it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. (laughs) Oh, well, I know we're out of time and I have so many more questions for you, but we're ending it here. And I think it's just thank you for coming on and just being swanny and giving us all the tips, tricks and all the validation of just being a new Latina in this world. Thank you for having me. Like your your podcast is so important for all of us. And just being open about these conversations is so important. It's going to help so many people. So thank you. Well, you're going to have so many people, girl. So I want to I wanna end this conversation with um, Avrindis. And here, I want to give you the space, and we did this last time, to manifest some good for our Latino community, but specifically for our Latinas, because we're talking about Anu Latina, the first-gen Latina experience. What do you want to manifest for our Latinas listening? Um, more money for everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> more value, more recognizing your value. I think I said this last time, but I think it's something really important to me, just having that, you know, awareness that people are getting paid a lot and you have to ask, like I said last time, I'm like, you, um, you, like a lot of things won't be given to you. You have to take them and you have yeah. to ask and, and just keep, you know, keep being persistent in that way. And, um, and just like giving, I, I would love to give us all like the confidence and like the ability to be able to do that and know that it's something that's going to help us and not be shy or scared to do that. Um, and to be able to build generational wealth is uh, is a powerful thing. And we all have that power. Mm. Yes, we do. We all have that power. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Salud. Gracias, Juani. I have my little cafecito. <laughs>
<laughs> you have your agüita. Really, thank you so much for the space and conversation. Thank Abrazos. you. Go follow Swanee on all social media platforms and follow me too on all of their amazing Instagram pages. See y'all next week for more Cafecito and Chisme. For all Hella Latino updates, follow Hella Latino Podcast on Instagram. You can also follow me on my personal Instagram at ojasmine with four A's and find me on LinkedIn. For anything else, more information, check out my website, olalisjasmine.com. Con mucho amor, tu amiga Nureña.